This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know that I know. Alright everyone, welcome back. It is season two episode number 10 of the solve for why vlogcast as you all can see these headphones are not on anymore and that is because we are not going to be live this week because it's danger zone it's a, it's a danger zone uh berkey's nephew potentially has corona potentially not as corona we're trying to be as careful as we can but we're the realest guys in the game so we came anyway in a room same room I, I don't know if I'll be alive next week now, but uh, if this is the last time you all see me, it's been a fun ride. I'll carry on your legacy, big guy. This is the thing. This is like, you know what you told me? You called me this morning, right? And you were like, you know, you said you ride all the rides, right? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, we're doing the vlogcast anyway. I was like, God damn. I was like, God damn, bro. Like, for real. You're like, you said. You could have brought your hazmat suit, man. I, I would have I allowed it for this one. You didn't dress up for Halloween. You may as well uh, come and costume. I had I had a I had a little like link going. You don't ride the fucking rides, man. You got a goddamn ride. full costume, and all you put on was the hat. I ride all the rides. Here's the fucking Corona. Ride the like, rides in Kitty Land. There might be a Corona right. I might be drinking Corona right now, mm -hmm. just straight like showers. Mm -hmm. All right, Berg. It's been. A, there's a lot of topics today. Quiet week. It's it's been quiet a, week in the poker sphere. <laughs> it's been a wild uh wild little ride, man. I, I, I want to start with some positivity, though. I want to start with some positivity. You've been on an upswing. Minor. Minor upswing. And most people don't get to see the like a lot of it, right? A lot of it happens wee, more, wee hours of the morning, wee hours of the night. I've played so many 12-hour sessions into Sunrise. Do you feel like you're back, like... Like I, feel, I hate this. Nah, that's my shit. Like, look, no. Like, I was show this week. I'm too goddamn old to work the grave graveyard shift, man. But the graveyard shifts where all the money is. No, I graduated the graveyard shift. I don't need this shit anymore. Can't take out. You can't take out the hood in you. There's so much money to be made. That's the difference, man. So, okay, so walk us through what happened. I know that you played heads up versus someone in the wee hours of the morning, and like walk me through that. Like, what happened? Yeah, so I think it started heads up. I'm pretty sure we started playing heads up. And I was winning very small. Um, maybe like a half a buy-in. And then the game grew to forehand and then eventually full, I believe. Very good game. A couple of real loose spots in the game. And it worked out such that... Uh, so it was a 2550, uh, 200 big blind cap. It worked out such that I was in for, I think, 10K. Okay. And when the game broke down, I had uh, like 20K in front of me. Okay. And uh, so Akragum, so far. Yeah, Akragum, my opponent, had like the 10K in front. And I don't know what he was in for. I don't recall. He may have been up five. He may have been down five. I don't remember. Okay. So at this point, we'd probably been playing for like two hours. And uh, we continue heads up. This is at midnight. Fast forward to like 5 a.m. And I have 55,000 in front of me. And he's now reloaded for the cap of 10K. 
So I've really swung things in my favor. Uh, fast forward now to 7.30 in the morning. Mm. He has 67,000 in front of him. Wow. And I'm topping off. That's crazy. Now in for 20K. <clears throat> so it's been, it's been swingy to say the least. Okay. So then what happens up to that? By 10 a.m., I had every cent on the fucking table. (laughs) (laughs) Within like a two-hour stretch, I just, I I mean, I ran fairly well, but uh, I also feel really confident playing heads up against him specifically. Uh, There are just some, I I don't consider myself a heads up expert by any stretch. Yeah. But there are certain things that I, I noticed in his strategy that seem to be blatant holes. And to be quite honest, uh, I don't even think the match would have swung back to even or even in his favor had it not been for a very fortuitous river. We played a 30K pot where he four bet ace four suited of spades. Uh, I called it king jack of spades and it came king queen three rainbow, no spade. I don't think there was a spade. Um, And he went bet, bet, bet. And it just happened to run out uh, deuce five. So he went bet, bet, shove. You know what I just realized? What? I never even introduced you today. You want to retroactively do it? No, I just feel like you're you're the so power of editing. You're now. so you're so big, like you're, so big, like you're. You think this is your show? It's our show. No, I'm saying you're so big that I don't even have to introduce you. It's like he needs no introduction. Of course, you shouldn't have to introduce me. It's our show. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying yeah, I don't introduce you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like people want to. What if it's the first time listener? Uh, yeah, hey, yeah, maybe first we, time maybe listener, we pick up a few. They're like, hey, uh, you know, who who are these people? You know, whatever. And it's like, my name is Christian Soto, aka Chinayam, Berkey Eleven, almost bracelet Berkey, but better name. We'll talk about it later. Okay, so then I saw I saw a little bit of a uh, little rumblings out there that maybe a, a, one person wasn't allowed to play. It was like, hey, I want a little piece of the pie. Like, sure. Like, Berkey, let me in. I didn't so, even know so what happened. I, I didn't even know who it was. Uh, so it turned out to be Galen Hall. He tried sitting with us at probably like 5 o'clock in the morning or so. But Acrogum wanted me all to himself. Yeah. It was abundantly clear. <laughs> he sits down and plays like one hand. And Acrogum, all you see is three dots. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I'm winning. I don't care if we play three-handed or, t- or two, whatever. It's a good game. And so we play one more hand. And then Acrogum three dots again and then just sits out. Yeah. And I was like, well, if he's sitting out, I'm sitting out. Like, obviously, he wants to play me heads up. I don't know who this other person is. He only has 5K. We have 60,000 on the table between the two of us. Like, you know, you kick rocks. You can't come in with the 5K, though. Yeah, at least come no, in for no, the no, 10. No, no, no. Listen, Galen No, Hall. but if you came in with the 10, we would be like, yo, who's this motherfucker? Listen, Galen Hall. You're, you're, you look like a good guy. You seem like you're pretty smart. You can't be trying to snipe the game. You can't be coming in at 5 in the morning with the 5K. Like, you got to come in. Look, this is the difference between someone that went to Stanford and someone that grew up in the hood. Like, <laughs> this is what happened. If you come to the game at nighttime, like, it, like if you're playing, if you come underground, whatever, you can't be coming in short stacking the game at right. night. Right. It's like the min buy-in goes up as later it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't. Sure. What is wrong with you, Galen Hall? This sure. isn't fucking Stanford Econ 101, okay? This is late night banging it out poker in the streets. We got real hood. I'm not going to lie. There were some fucking street-ass hands. There's a chick. Actually, I'm going to teach you a little something, Galen. If you came in with a 10K straight and that first hand you open a 4X, I bet you would have played. I bet you would have. I bet you would have played. I bet you would have. That guy would have been like, God damn. 
Actually, yeah. no, I'm not going to sit out. This guy's banging. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would have got a seat. That's right. You would have got a seat. But you came in with the 5K, like, short stacking it, probably min raising. Like, stole yeah. the blinds. Yeah, you stole the. Yeah, I saw the tweet. You won 150 or yeah, something. Yeah, you stole the blinds yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah, you stole the blinds twice. You min raised off the 5K stack, stole the blinds twice, and then you're tweeting about why you didn't get a seat. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Just stop it. Just fucking stop it. Well, I'll tell you why he didn't get a seat. Because we were fixing to play a 1,400 big blind pot on the old 567 board. Oh, we. Now, I had what I'm supposed to have. The 910? Whenever I put in Wait. 700 big blinds. Wait, 567? Yeah. Oh, okay, so you have the 8-9. The, the I have the 8 and the 9. Yeah. I, it's all I'm going to have. <laughs> yeah, you're all. <laughs> quite frankly, when 700 big blinds. Wait, you don't have any pot. bluffs in that spot, you're saying? It was three. You, you know, uh, <laughs> my... My man O'Brien reaches out to me the next day and he's like, you know, I, I saw the hand, uh, me and the collective, we kind of think that the turn shove is a little bit imbalanced. Mm. And I go, well, yeah, yeah. Well, usually uh, whenever you're three betting the turn for the 700th big blind, you're not all that concerned with balance. I was like, I, you know, I really felt like he wasn't going to check raise fold there. <laughs> Call me crazy. Uh, I'm not really worried about being protected in this spot in the future, should I ever play Acro Gum again, and we find ourselves 700 blinds deep on the turn, maybe. I think I'll, I'll do the same play. Yeah, I'll probably still be all in there. Yeah. Until uh, he shows me the check race fold, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah. So the way it played out, you guys will see a little clip of this. Uh, he led the flop on 5-6-7 in a 3-bet pot, which is questionable. Uh, I raised him with the old 8-9-er, trying to get a little money in the pot. Let's build a little something-something. Turn comes to deuce of clubs. My man decides I go for the overbet. Okay. He decides he wants to put more in. So I go 4,200 into well, like 3,500. The, the deuce of clubs. Oh, okay. So bring bringing backdoor clubs. Yeah. And I have the eight of clubs, which is a nice card to have. Very nice card because you could be getting free roll. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, I go overbet. He makes it 11K with like 16K behind. I was like, now or never, man. This, this guy's telling me he has a fucking hand. <laughs> You don't know, don't like, bear the board. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, don't bear the board. I rip it. I'm like, don't bring a club. He has jack nine of clubs. Called yeah. it off. Faded it. I mean, I should fade it. He has eight outs, one to come. That would have been a painful, that painful, painful club, man. Is there is there like certain moments in your career where you remember like certain big holds? Uh, usually the opposite. God, I remember not winning in that particular spot yeah. a lot in my career. I feel like I'm like, in for I remember specifically there was a night where uh, we were playing 3-6-12 and Jeremy and myself were going to war and he beat me in an 800k pot aces versus kings and I hit my stop loss. Wow. So I had to leave. Yeah. 20 minutes later, oh, I remember this, yeah. the chairman takes my seat. Yeah. Jeremy was into the game for 100,000. Four days later, he cashed out for 5.8 million. That's, that's, I never looked back. Never looked back. And like, that was my seat. <laughs> Yeah. It was my seat. That would have been my only opportunity ever to play with the chairman. Like the game was short. They you might have won. You might have won ten million. Who knows? You know. Who knows? Maybe I go broke. Who gives a shit? Either way, the EV of it's that. It's like spot. the pivot of uh, that pot is so pivotal to like what could have been. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, I go home five hundred k and makeup instead of sticking around for. They literally played a four day session. They would rotate one person at a time. Would go upstairs and take a two hour nap. I remember that. I remember that day for that four was... days. Bob Bright. Played a 36-hour session, went upstairs, took a two-hour nap, came right back down and played. Wow. This man's like, 
He's like 80. <laughs> he's like 78 years old. <laughs> he's like 80 years old playing 35. I mean, I wish I could do that. Bro. I'm, it, if I need anything in my life, if I'm 80 and I'm banging it out downstairs on the I and Ivy's You'll room, be doing it for sure. I'll, I'll if be, anyone's that sick, it's yo, for sure. I just want to do it, man. Like, I'll... This week I've been. You'll up, never get your sleep right, man. You'll be on the goddamn graveyard shift, whatever you're. Bro, I love the. I grew up on the graveyard shift. That's what the, that's what Galen Hall doesn't understand. Like he's a smart guy, good looking guy, but you know what happened? You know what happened? They he got woke too up, rich and too pretty. No, he fucking woke up at four thirty, made himself some oatmeal, jogged around, did some push ups. Oh, he's probably then, on the east coast, so it was probably like eight. Oh yeah, he was up since five. He was up since five. He worked he out. Got his morning routine he fucking done. opened the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Like, you, because you know he's into that finance shit. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, Wall Street Journal. He's like, oh, yeah, I think Bitcoin's going to go up this week. And then the, he, he invested a little bit Bitcoin. Then he's like, oh, they're playing there. Let me buy him for 100. <laughs> oh, oh, look, 700 big blinds and a heads up game. Maybe oh. I can get in there. I wonder if they're or balancing. 14, 1,400 big blinds. Sorry. Yeah. I wonder if they're balancing. Let me hit up Dan. It's like, <laughs> get the fuck off the skate, man. Anyway, shout out to Galen Hall, one of the, one of the best in the world. Galen Hall was a big inspiration for me. He played a he played a really big hand long ago in PCA. It was a famous hand, and I watched that hand a couple times. I remember saying like, "Damn, these guys are good." The other guy was gangster shit too. All right, so Landon Tice, oh the young prince, young the new young prince. Wow, you're you're taking that away. You're uh, taking that away from Fedor already. He's friends with Joey. It just like kind of happens, right? Damn. Like somebody just segues it. You know, Fedor's too old to be the prince now. He's like not even thirty. Nah, I know, but like he's an old twenty-five. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's old. He's old. Yeah. I don't even think he wants to be the prince. No, no, no. He's the king now. Yeah, he's like, I run, I, I won everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's just on to other things. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm bigger than poker. But right. if I come back, you, you, you're not fun. No fun. <laughs> <laughs> no fun for you. One hundred, two hundred, max rake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the operator now. <laughs> He's the operator. It's true. He's yeah. like, I have my own skin. <laughs> <laughs> young Prince, you're not Young Prince no more. You're the operator. <laughs> Landon Tice, he's the new Young Prince. Yo, he just found tournaments. He just like discovered them a week ago. I know. I told well, him, that, yeah. I told him he, he played his first day. We swapped 1%. And I told him after that, the 1% was off because he was too emotionally charged. Yeah. He went on to punish me. He's now made seven <laughs> final tables in the last 10, 10 days. He got sixth in a bracelet event. He won the 50K yesterday for 28,000. Yeah. Uh, got second in the 100K for like 20K. Just a 100K uptick. Yeah. Week one of playing tournaments. <laughs> it is, yeah, you know. I'm going to warn you, though. Oh, the pain is <laughs> going to be so real, It man. doesn't just keep going up. No, no. And especially, like, when you're new and you're just yeah. getting involved, you don't play on your own dime. No, absolutely No, nah, somebody, like, recognizes some young talent who's hungry and is like, yo, get out there, young blood. Let me let me get a little taste of that, too. Yeah. Oh, you made me rich? Now go on your own. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. No, that is exactly what happens. It's 100%. like, oh, no, you, you're fine. Just, like, you know, bankroll yourself and uh, you, you're going to yeah. – straight to the top. Yep. The next, next thing – the next 10 215s he plays, he's just gonna bubble yep. and bubble. Next thing you know, you're fucking TJ Cloutier. Nah, nah. Landon's good. Landon's no, Landon, Landon's very a, intelligent. Poker yeah, player. yeah, for sure. But the jokes gotta fly. The joke, like, <laughs> like, we, like the jokes don't stop because you're good at poker. Yeah, like, sure. Like, you heard Galen? Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, the kid's crushing. Like, yeah. the kid's crushing. But, like, honestly, he reminds me of me in some ways. Like, he networks really well. So he, well. He networks really well. He's hungry. He he just like wants to do it. 
You He'll know? just be like, uh, do, do you know Dan Zach? Yeah. Hey, do you know Dan Zach? I'm like, yeah, I know Dan Zach. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we just had a chat yesterday. He gave me a couple tournament tips. I'm like, no, but that's because he's trying to like impress you. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. He just literally knows everybody. He he might have greater reach in the poker community than me. Yeah, because he's like, he's got numbers of people that I'm just like, hey, you, uh, you think you, you, put, me, you put me in touch? Maybe, maybe, maybe they want to be on the pod. Maybe they want to do poker out yeah. loud. I don't know. Like, yeah, you got Diddy on there or what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got Diddy on your phone? But no, I mean, the kid, like, the kid works hard. He networks really well. And when you're young, like, people, like, they give you a shot. Like, they like yeah. they don't see any, like, malice in you. Like, they're just like, oh, like, the kid's just like. Also, lost. like, you can't manufacture that t- type of hunger. No. So, like, people who are looking to invest, be it their time, resources, or money. It's just, like, it's so easy to invest in somebody who's hungry as fuck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, man, the kid's just doing it. Like, so, that brings me to the conversation of, like, what is the path for like the 21 year old today because like at the same time landon has had things like i so i remember like my path right it's like i got lucky in some spots like i got lucky to meet you i got lucky to meet chance i got lucky in like big major spots I mean, you manufactured those things yeah but it's still I think like similar to him right that's what i'm saying we're similar in that like we made contacts those contacts give us opportunities we cash in on those opportunities and then, like, we're kind of in. Yeah. Is that the path? Is is that just the path? This is why, like, you and I had a little bit of conversation the other time. You're like, I was like, yo, networking is important. No, it is for sure. It, it is for sure. Like, it definitely gives him a huge head start. It gives him a big uh, wealth of knowledge to pick from. And it also keeps him humble. Mm. Because if he's only surrounded by his peers, he just outgrows their knowledge base way too fast. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I've been harping on him. I was like, you need to make friends your own age as well. That's true. Because, like the the first day when he was like really suffering through tournaments and like i just didn't want to hear it yeah i'm just like bro Can't i relate. put my time in when i was 21 i had seven other people in the room who were belly aching the same as me and we fed off of one another and like that was that mm. and i grew from it and i understand and like now that i have 18 years in the game i just nothing you tell me yeah it's not, is gonna surprise me it's nothing you tell me is going to make me empathetic to you. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you a, a sour, grizzled old grin and just say, that'll put some hair on your chest, kid. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you. it's it's honestly, it's, it's very similar to sports when you have like the young, hungry rookie coming up and you have the grizzled old vet who's up there like working account and like is able to pick up on a pitcher's, uh, you know, like pitchers who tip pitches and will just, you know, Watch a kid strike out over and over and over again in a scenario where he's just like, you have to know the curveball's coming. Like, he does this thing with yeah, his glove yeah, every yeah. time. You can't, you can't. But, like, the kid's too pie-eyed and, like, aggressive and whatnot. Big moments. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, it's like, you know, it's great. Like, you have all these resources available, but you need the balance of mm-hmm. those other up-and-comers who are struggling through the path with you. Because they'll find a blind spot in you that you don't see, and you'll do the same for them. Yeah. And yeah. it'll build your leadership uh, potential as you grow forward because you'll be able to help and mend and mold their game as they move forward. And it'll also humble you in a certain way where they'll find little holes and leaks that, you know, the old guard that you're brushing elbows with don't care enough to find. Yeah, for sure. It, that kind of, that happened to me where it was like in my group of like North New Jersey, like New York city, like I was the end boss. And when I left there, it's like, Oh, I met you. I met Dan. I met like, other people it's like okay i was just like a fucking rookie again you know but that juggling effect is kind of nice because it's like it's like okay like i know i'm very good i have stuff to learn but i could also like 
see like okay well, this is where i came from and like people still come to you and like say like hey like how do i do this how do i do that and it's like you kind of have like the best of both worlds in that scenario like kind of like what you're saying yeah yeah i i think like for the path moving forward it's very important that like yes you network yes you get yourself opportunity but also you have a, a good solid foundation mm-hmm. to uh kind of double back on because you're gonna fall flat somewhere yeah. somewhere along the line and you're not always gonna have that helping hand so like you need people to grow with you a lot of the conversations that I had with Chris uh, when we were doing a lot of coaching was like, he's just like super emotional about losses. And I had the same response to you. I'm just like, I'm like, bro, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, like just play. Yeah. yeah. And it, but the problem is like, he couldn't like, it was hard for me to relate to him because like, I never lost. Sure. Like, f- like a lot of people say I'm still on my first buying. Like, Subtle that, brag. Like, no, nah, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm the best. I just say I ran really good. Sure. Like, I ran really hot. Yeah. Like, in my career. So, it's like, I don't know what it feels to, like, go six sessions and not win. Sure. It's like, that's that's not a thing. Yeah. Like, so, but I, I tell him, like, yo, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, run. and But it was hard to communicate. And I guess I'll ask you is, like, how do you communicate, like, it's going to be okay when it's, like, someone just keeps losing and losing and losing. And it's, like there is the small chance that like you just run bad your whole you, career you just have to like highlight the fact that they're 21 and will bounce yeah for sure it's just like i don't i can't explain to you whatever success you perceive me as having mm-hmm. however much money you think i have you could double it and i would still trade places with you tomorrow yeah 21 being 21 is crazy yeah infinitely i would pay my net worth times 10 to go back 18 years and start fresh and i don't even guarantee that i would t- head down this path mm-hmm. it wouldn't matter Right, it's just like when you're in your twenties, it's such an exploration phase where you just get to fuck up day in and day out with no responsibility. Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. I mean, you don't choose your destiny; your destiny chooses you. I'm just saying, man. So, the heater doesn't end for you. You go on stream, and then all of a sudden, like you're just like making the last table left on the stream. It happened once or twice, and then the next day you come back. And do it again. Mm. How'd that feel? It was nice. Very different feelings. Yeah. Uh, the first final table was after the heads up match. And I slept for three hours. So I was loopy, man. I was so tired. Probably like, the spiciest stream I've ever done. Do you feel like it affected you a little bit? Like nah. I, I, I only won table and I felt like really locked into my decisions. I was tired, but I actually felt like rested given the fact that I didn't sleep much. Adrenaline helps too, though. A little bit. Uh, I also think I got like really good sleep for the little amount of time that I actually slept. And I just remember like not dreading playing when I woke up. I, I can't do that rise and grind shit, man. Like where you play all night, wake up, and then within 30 minutes, you're right back on and playing. No, no. But I did it three days in a row. And uh, that was hard. It caught up with me on Sunday. I had a really shitty session on Sunday. But uh, Friday and Saturday was great. Um, ran deep in the... I think it was a 400 on Friday. And yeah, I mean, having such a massive cash win the day before for 40K, uh, the final table just felt like icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. So I came in three of eight, I think. Um, But I only had like 15 bigs. And there wasn't a huge separation between me and the field. I got myself into a really good spot. I think my opponent made a pretty huge ICM error. Limp calling off a 15 blind shove with King Queen. Yeah, was wrong. Um, I had ace 10. I didn't hold. He went on to get third. So I think like that pot ICM wise was probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of like 35,000, maybe a little bit more. Um, The winner becomes a distant third place. Uh, So he doubled through me there. 
to almost 7 million. And I think the chip leader had 12 and uh, Ryan Lang had like nine. Uh, and then the next four stacks or three stacks rather were all uh, 10 blinds or less. Does it bother you when someone says like on stream, like the chat, like, oh, you could have folded to third? No, because they're wrong. I only have 15 bigs. Uh, all it takes is one of those 10 blind stacks doubling and now I'm at ICM hell. Um, no, that, and I think that's why I felt like such, so at ease with that tournament because it was out of my hands, Yeah, right? Nothing else could have happened good, uh, or, or nothing else could have happened to, uh, change the results. The next day felt a little different. All right, let's go. Good luck us. Let's go. Oh, come on. That's unfortunate. Okay. Hello. Hello. Let's hope he has a spade. Hello. He had a spade. He had two of them. We just have an all in here. Good luck us. Let's hold, fold, or just win. That's a man who knew he was about to lose a flip. We're going to call. We're going to hold. Five. Told you. Don't think we can ever really have the best hand. Wow. I'm going to call. Oh, wow. I was way off, guys. Note. Always has it. Well, that's really good. We're only really concerned about tens and queen jack at this point. Queen jack will not make up a big part of range. Oh, that's frustrating. Good luck us. Let's go. Let's win. Ship the Sherbert, baby. Oh, he's about to make a very bad call. I can feel it. Told you. Not a heart. Now a heart. Put a heart up there. Put a heart up there. Seven, seven. I'm shoving under the gun, bro. 15 bigs. There it is. Let's go. Club. Yeah. It's time to get lucky. Give us a fold. All right, I'll take a nine or a five. Let's go. If V-Burke were to shove, I may have to make a pretty tight fold. I don't think I can fold my hand. Yeah, I think we have to go with it here. Good luck us, let's go. What a big win, let's fucking go. Hold. Little deucer, little deucer. There's the deuce, baby! Wow! 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 This lead is dust. I think I have a very clear shove here. Works. Remember that one. That was not luck. Facing a limp, we 4x. This is a big one. Good luck. Let's go. Club. 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 Let's go! What are you thinking, chef? Diamond. Five. Five works. Five works. The horseshoe has not fallen out of my ass yet. We've overtaken the chip lead. Spade, 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 baby. What are these guys doing? That's two punts blind versus blind. They just don't believe this face. Uh, I mean, to go back to back is insane. I kind of talked about this a little bit on stream where like, you know, momentum's not a thing in the actual cards. They, they have no memory. They don't care. Yeah. But momentum is certainly a thing with people. And when you lock into certain strategies and the momentum is favoring you, you know, it's like I went a long time where I was losing the, ball, the majority of my flips. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was losing a lot of my four to ones, whatever. It's no shock that the the correction takes place at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And true. it only has to take place over the string of a couple hundred hands. <clears throat> that's true. Because, you know, start to finish in these bracelet events is like maybe 500 hands. Right. Um, so, you know, things went really well. I won very key flips. I had it and held a lot. And, you know, here we are again. I feel it sometimes like it, it, there's certain like pivotal points in tournaments where it's like, if I win this hand, mm -hmm. 
it's not that I'm going to win, but I'm going to run deep enough to give me a chance to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, because there's no way you're going to take these chips from me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I got 40 bigs and there's 30 something left. Like, yeah. good luck. And I just like yeah. know I'm doing things uh, a lot better than the field. Like, I'm paying attention to the level jumps. There are a few very key inflection points that are really notable and you should be gearing up for them by really fast tracking your accumulation strategy. Do you teach that in like some of the like some of your tournament courses? Or uh, like I talk about it a little bit in the tournament blueprint, but Hunt talks about it a lot in mastering MTT structures. Yeah, I think it was one of the, the major talking points. Like when we did the MTT Academy, yep. it was like, okay, here, here, here. You need to be aware of these levels. Right. You need to be preparing for these levels and things like that. I think it's a, it's a very... It, it worked out so well. <laughs> With three tables left, I was chip leading for both of those events. Um, the one that I ended up getting seventh in on Friday... Uh, I had a couple hiccups whenever we got shorthanded prior to the final table. So I lost my chip lead. Uh, just a couple pots didn't go my way. No big deal. But I still came in three of three of eight, which is nice. Saturday, I bulldozed. I absolutely crushed. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I, I, I also got lucky. Uh, I busted Ophir on the final table bubble. Open ripping king three suited for 10. And he had queens in the big. What are you going to do? Flops a queen. Hey, those, are the, those are the ones where it's I just flopped like... a flush draw, though. <laughs> So like, yeah, you know, I, I I run really good. I come into the final table with a two to one chip lead on the field. Uh, I just rewatched it again today. I v pipped like ninety five percent. Yeah, and honestly, there were three three hands I would have played differently that I think cost me the event as a whole. Um, I raised called with nine six suited under the gun, awesome. facing CT's three bet from the big. Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with that. He three bet way too small and three betting off twenty in that spot ICM wise is just literally not a thing. And I, I felt like he was trying to combat my aggression in a poorly constructed way. I was right. The problem is I didn't follow through post. He had a seven off, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, All I needed to do was shove the turn. He never has a trap on the turn. It's literally impossible for him to balance the trap there. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And he had half pot back. If I just shove, he folds crippling him down now to 10 blinds. And I have a significant chip lead with like 16, 17 million. it just million. keeps going. Yeah. But dumb me in the spot, what I was thinking was, if I check back and ultimately lose this pot, it doesn't matter. I'm still chip leading with 12 million. And he's still only going to have six. So it's not that important. But the snowball effect obviously caught up with yeah, me. Yeah. He rivers a three out or a six outer versus me, hits a seven on the river to cost me the pot, gets him up to 6K or 6 million rather. Right. Then um, he does another one. Yeah. And then uh, he bleeds himself back down again. And then I ultimately run a three barrel bluff or two barrel bluff with uh, King Six suited versus him defending the big blind. I'm kind of okay with that one. Uh, I feel like maybe I just shouldn't shove River because it's a disastrous event whenever he has an ace and calls and wins. Yeah. It allows him to chip up a little bit too much. But I had like probably one of my best candidates. You did. To, to choose. Uh, and then the final hand, the three four suited, or sorry, the three four offsuit. Uh, I might have been a little power drunk there. Yeah, it was it was a little bit aggressive. Um, yeah, probably just not a hand I should. Crazy open. part about that is like, bro, I was so I wasn't tilted at you. I was tilted at all the fucking Bellagio regs that were all just like, oh, you're gonna explain that one for for us right now, and I'm like, bro, he's at the final table. Like, relax, like. He's, he, he was aggressive and then hit two pair. Like, yeah, the like, post-flop play is, plays itself. Yeah, like it, I thought the, the hand was like, whatever. Like, if you had queen deuce off, no one would say anything. Like, it's right. just like, it's just, it, 
tournaments a lot of it is like yeah candidates count but like spots are bigger than a candidate right right and like you you thought the spot was like pretty good and yeah i i I just overestimated um i i guess i overestimated how much i could leverage icm versus him specifically Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because I think I was a little bit duped by the fact that he was mostly uh, a small average buy-in, but big winner. So I felt like those two things contradicted each Wait, other. Wait, is this Clint? Is this Clint? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, but it, like his average buy-in was like $50 or something like that. But he was a big winner. He was he was like winning 50 k at those stakes. So it's like I respect his grind, but I also but felt like big, this was a huge moment. moment. Yeah. What I came to find out <laughs> later, though, is that he won the Brigada, mm-hmm. WPT. Which so. means that like it's probably not nearly as right. big of a moment as that one was. Right. That there you could have raised the three four offsuit. Right. Right. So like knowing that in hindsight, now the A seven makes sense because it's still a big enough moment where he doesn't want to shove for twenty, right? Like he's still afraid to shove for twenty, but he's not afraid to take a chance right. and try to get a three bet through, hoping that like when I trash like I did, I'll just fold. But like I just had so much room to take on risk. And he laid me such a phenomenal price that's like, okay, well, even if you're at top of range, uh, you're just going to bust yourself here sometimes by taking this line. Do you feel like you're locked in like the psychological part of the game right now? I, I always, I mean, I shouldn't say I always feel that way, but like when I'm playing well, I always feel that way. Is there like a course on the website where like, <laughs> yes, Jen, there, there are many, all of my masterminds are done on basically the psychology of poker, as is the resilience course that we did with Jason Sue. How much is the website? Nine ninety nine, Chin. All right. So, congrats on that. I think I thought that was a uh, really good. I, I think that you've given people a treat to see on on the streams. Like I I watch all the streams. I'm in the chat going bananas. Sometimes people be talking crazy, and I be talking crazy back. I said I have a quota <laughs> of telling at least one one commenter a day to go fuck himself, but I do it with a smile. <laughs> Some people. Are uh don't do it as nice as you, Berkey. Sure. And uh they're catching a little bit of heat for it. Daniel Negrano got banned from Twitch. We'll see if it's a soft ban, probably is what we a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. But he uh said some really out of line things. If uh so let me kind of walk things walk things how it happened. Like it was someone says something about his wife, he doesn't take it well. He says, I'll will do a lot of terrible things to you, that of which include uh, knocking your teeth out and feeding them to you anally. I was really surprised I could say that with a straight face, but I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> Why? Why would you ever feed someone through their butt? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean... That, I don't know. That, that's where that's where it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the point, Burke. He wanted to like really express the fact that this is not how it's supposed to be. Sure, I get it, man. I get it. All right. So then, after that, today, he puts out an apology, quote unquote. You know, formally apologize for suggesting that uh, breaking the troll's teeth and then feeding them to him anally is the appropriate way to deal with an opposing viewpoint. Uh, The process is lengthy and tiresome and not at all practical. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to shatter teeth and even for a practicing dentist and and even more difficult to place them individually in someone's rectum. 
So my sincere apologies to any of you who saw this behavior and thought it was a workable solution to fixing the problem. Accept my, accept, expect, accept my apology to those of you that thought that was a good way to handle things. It's now officially time for me get rid of this shit. Huh? Get back in the tank top. What? Is Dean on steroids? I don't think so. He's 138 pounds. I mean, he's a proud 138 pounds, but he's 138 pounds. Why? Why the? Why do we see this? What's, also, what's at his age, uh, even if he were on steroids, which for what it's worth, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about steroids. I, I think it's like because of the 80s whole war on drug things, but like. If he were on steroids and doing it right, uh, for a guy his age, that would be quite reasonable. Mm. Um, your testosterone levels start to drop off at 27. He's, I think, 46? Wow. Something. Seems fair. 44, something like that. Um, so, yeah, if he were doing test replacement therapy or anything of that line, it would be very reasonable. Secondarily, um, even if he were, the likelihood that like the whole anger side effect... Yeah. It it really is only like a heightened thing, to my understanding. Yeah, I feel like, like I feel like if he was on steroids, like he would have like like the computer would have actually broke, like it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. from what I understand, and again, I don't have experience with steroids or really an anger problem, yeah. but from what I understand uh, from people who have or whatever, it just it it polarizes your emotions. Mm. Right, so like you become a little bit more manic. I mean, this is kind of what people are saying. Like, like Daniel is known to be like happy daniel like for the people and like now all of a sudden we're seeing like wait is this actually daniel or you're getting daniel uncut right Mm -hmm. this is kind of like what we love about daniel too is that he's unfiltered he's very authentic to himself and you're getting him now for 60 plus minutes a day not 60 seconds in a proco news clip something that got cleared by pr Mm mm-hmm that's crazy Uh, it's not the first time right like even the whole polk thing he fanned the flames in a lot of ways by like having him and i think it was when he was dating amanda mm. go on a podcast or something and like Ah, she read like fuck the pros right 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 right, right. and he laughed about it and stuff like that it's like you know he was actually not totally on the wrong side if he would have just taken the time to like choose his words carefully but instead he kind of caved into uh a personal attack and just kind of met it with emotion if somebody came at my wife man i don't want to like listen i ain't a man for a lot of words like it's just hands like it's it's not a big deal like like yo you want to talk crazy like you want like i'm not gonna talk about like oh, i'll feed you this and i'll feed you that fuck that like i got my wife to feed me shit i don't need you to feed me anything like i ain't gonna feed you either like it's straight hands like i don't need I don't need this, like, all this talking and barking and shit. Like, it's crazy. To me, it's just, like, a weird thing to uh, find yourself angry over. Like, I can't fathom a sentence that could be uttered to me Mm. that would enrage me to the point of being, like, I'm going to fucking find this guy and I'm going to fight him. I also, like, it it goes hand in hand with, like, the Mattisau thing with the slow roll. Right. I can't imagine, Mm. like, what would have to be done to me on a poker table for me to like want to dox somebody. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, he didn't, he said he didn't even know what dox He probably was. didn't. And, and that's, you know, it is what it is. But my whole point is like his instinct was to find out who this person was and physically threaten them. Do you think it's a, it's an era thing? Maybe a little bit. I, I mean, yeah. You know, my parents, the boomers, if you will, 
Uh, I'm sure that they were quick to settle things with violence and fists and stuff like that. My generation probably grew up a little bit more of pacifist. Um, but even even still, it's just like... I don't know. I grew up with a belt and a fucking broomstick if I did something wrong. Yeah, so did I. You know? But like, uh, I'm just saying like, uh, you know, we kind of... Our era grew into uh, kind of understanding emotions a little bit better, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, we don't just default to our barbaric mm. reactions. Uh, and also, I just think like there's been so much violence highlighted in the last 20 years, be it domestic abuse or uh, for sure, for sure, we we see where this goes. Yeah, you know, right, right. which is and, which is yeah, yeah, it has such a negative stigma to it that like nobody wants to wear anger as a proud badge of honor, right? Like most of us are trying to quell our anger as best possible. I think Jason Coons like the best example of this for sure. Like he will openly discuss the the type of person he grew up as and like what he doesn't find all that proud of his past yeah absolutely you know? absolutely jason coon was about them hands though <laughs> i wouldn't fuck around with it. <laughs> i wouldn't fuck around with jack you know what i'm saying yeah. um okay so then guru is on his stream now poker guru fan fan of the show sure uh unwilling guest of the show earlier before we had a little clip of uh a little battle that you two had He's been streaming on Twitch and he was like not happy with someone and he was like, oh, this guy is like, and then mentions uh, a homophobic slur, that of which starts with an F and ends with a got. Sure. I think there's a lot of words that are said amongst friends, especially guys and like, like, we call it uh like locker room talk sure or not not we but like the world sure. right that's just not acceptable anymore right is this what happened here where like yeah. he should have just been like more yeah guru is <clears throat> older than me he grew up in the 80s and 90s this word was super common mm-hmm. in my childhood it, i'm sure it's super common in his childhood you know growing up yeah. in blue collar cities like uh it, it was rampant yeah, right. it was just it was just like oh, like if you thought someone did something that wasn't manly, yeah. this was the word you use. Yeah, and like even just the word gay, like yeah. oh that's gay, like it had yeah. derogatory term to it, you know, like it, it comes off as like uh that's not, not masculine, yeah. yeah, or it's or it's feminine or whatever. Um but and, and you know, like I, I'm not going to pretend like nobody around me has ever used this word i'm not gonna pretend like i've never used this word like that would be insane we grow as a society as we start to you know mature and develop and become more refined in the last five to ten years though like if we go all the way back i don't know if you'll remember this or not you might be a little bit too young uh sometime in the late 90s maybe early 2000s a man by the name of matthew Shepard, he was either a teenager maybe 21 at the most was basically hunted by two rednecks for lack of a better term um, for being gay in a small rural town. And they basically hunted him. They strung him up on a fence. uh, They brutally murdered him. They beat him to death basically. Wow. Uh, And he became like the first open case of like uh, a hate crime. Uh, And I'm fairly certain that the, the hate crime laws are born off of of the the Matthew Shepard case. Right. So from that point forward, we, started to become a little bit more sensitive to this yeah. like underbelly community that was just terrified to be out in the open. Yeah. Well, if you fast forward now to like 
uh, you know, 2010 to 2020, the the uh, homosexual community, the LGBT, that that entire subset community, they've gained a lot of rights. They've gained a lot of, uh, I would say, sympathy or empathy from the the common societal man. And we've just canceled a lot of the negative culture yes. that we just allowed to be the case. This word being one of them, right? And, you know, I get it. Whenever you have, if, if you enter, a, you know, a hillbilly town, if you go back to my hometown, you'll hear this word all the time, right? It's just going to be common amongst older people that are lowbrow. And that's not necessarily an insult to them. It's just basically saying they're unwilling to evolve, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is what it is. And I'm not even saying that that is the case here with Guru, Guru mm-hmm. right? But we have to call a spade a spade. One of two things is happening. Either he's homophobic, which I don't necessarily think is true. Like I said, I think this is a cultural thing, not a hate in your heart kind of thing. But one of two things has to be true. Either he's homophobic or he's unrefined to the point where he didn't care enough to shut his stream off to ensure that that never made it out to the public. Well, I don't think... I don't think- it registers as to, uh, no, he no, apologized no. immediately afterwards on air. Really? I mean, that's because he sees the chat. That no, has to be it. No, I, to my understanding, he did not wait five minutes to apologize. It was like, it came out. He then goes, Oh, uh, you know, I slipped. That was a faux pas. He apologized. He looked to see if he had LaPlante or LaPlante's uh, number to call him and apologize personally, but he still let it get out there. He could have just cut the stream. He had a five minute delay. Yeah. He probably didn't think about it. I'm not sure. I I disagree. I think okay. that like he valued what his current audience was at that number uh, over, over that protecting his own speech, That's knowing funny. that it wasn't going to be that big of a deal and there wasn't going to be that much fallout. And unfortunately, there is. Well, no, there isn't because the man who could head the crusade uh, has his own dirty laundry to air. You're right. Guru then reaches out to Laplante saying, "Hey, I actually called you this name, not you personally, but all your people." Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't know what happened there. But LaPlante doesn't take kind to that word being used. He's very open about saying like, hey, uh, we have to stop the bigoting. We have to be like more mindful of the words we use. Calling, Saying gay as like, uh, you know, that's gay. That's not cool. Saying the word like that guru said, you know, F got or whatever, like is not cool. Like all these things are not cool, right? Seems very reasonable. Seems like a smart young man that represents his people. And I want to say something too before we even start this this like this section. Like Laplan's a friend of the show. Like Laplan's a friend of the show. When you see uh Berkey's stream, sometimes he has like the Learn Pro on the side. I'm not big on like using other people's brands on our shit. Like we don't even have Google right now. So like if your brand's on the show, like you're a friend of the show. Then some people start saying, like, we think you're a hypocrite. And then things get a little bit quiet for a second. It's like, okay, what you got? Then little things start coming out by not known people. So it's, it took a little longer, you sure. know, to like come to the top. And then he doesn't see it right away because he's like, oh, what he post? Because it seems like he blocked this dude, right? So then someone screenshots that and then sends it to him. And this was 2013. Yes, this was 2013. Not yesterday, but he he, he wasn't like super young. Like he was right. in his he was in his twenties. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna read the major the major talking points. He's disagreeing with somebody about something. Sure. Uh then he goes on to say, 
go die in a grease fire, you backwater sewer monkey. Okay. They respond, obviously, saying like, hey, you just called somebody uh, a water sewer monkey. It's probably not the nicest thing. Are you are you racist? Right. Says, I'm racist? Cool story, bro. Next one. If I ever get the chance to meet you in real life, pray to God that there isn't a sharp object nearby because I will crast- castrate you and fucking make you eat your balls. Fucking piece of N-word, N-bomb, ass motherfucking douchebag. Yes, I am serious. If there is nothing close by that is sharp, I will just kick you in the balls so hard and so many times you will bleed out of, uh, out of the worthless excuse of a two-inch flab skin that you call a penis for the next three months. What's what's with everybody wanting people to eat shit? <laughs> the two-inch penis is just like too much. Like, like he, he took it way too far with that part. Like that part is that's where he took it too far. That, that part's just like the two inch penis. Like, Are we just gonna gloss over the fact that he used the n word? Why? Okay. The problem with this is that he used the n word. Yeah, right? absolutely. This is absolutely. just a yeah, Daniel yeah. Negroni yeah, yeah. rant if yeah, yeah. he doesn't use the n word. Yeah, look, look, yeah, of course. Like, there's a reason why on this paper, like this is the bold letter. Sure. Like, obviously, he's like way like it's it's crazy like immature. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever. But like, this is a racist statement because it feel once you add this word. It feels like all these other words stem from that. Word. Yeah, yeah, right. And Agreed. that's that's where the problem is. Agreed. You know, because the re- the rest of it is like you're just really mad and you hate this guy or whatever. But like when you add that word, everything's built off that word. Right. And like we don't even know if this guy's black. Which honestly, I know this may sound crazy, but it's like so much worse if this guy's actually white. I'm just gonna assume he's black. I'm gonna assume they know each other. Maybe, I don't know. But the reason why I'm saying this is for the same reason why Potential is so upset that uh, that Guru used the F word, right? Mm. Because the implication is that somehow these words represent something that is beneath human, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It dehumanizes people to imply that they are emasculine and gay. It dehumanizes people to use a derogatory racial term in uh in, in an angry visceral way so someone someone asked uh mac b2 says is this real life that you're calling someone out did you just have a thread devoted to posting racist and absurd things he goes on to say now potential saying i've used slurs twice both were out of context and not meant to be used in a derogatory manner obviously i felt bad each time anyways and i apologize both profusely and exactly my point I use a slur out of extreme anger and out of context and got grilled. Someone else uses a homo- homophobic derogatory slur in context, not out of anger, aimed at a gay guy, and that person gets grilled for calling them out on it. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously super hypocritical, uh, like insanely so. Um, and it's insensitive to all the issues. I assume that that last post was also in 2013. It wasn't uh, like yesterday, this is like, right? This is, might be even... Uh, yeah, this is all the same thread. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I I can't speak for potential. I I don't know what's in his heart. Uh, same as Guru, I can't speak for uh, you know, what he was truly feeling when he used that word. Yeah. But what I do understand is that neither of these are excusable. Yeah. Uh, nobody gets a pass here. I think that both of them are inefficient in their apology tours. Uh, I thought that the little piece that potential wrote was tone deaf dude i thought it wasn't enough like when no i way. saw when no i saw way it, near enough like there's a thing like like i 
I'm pretty sure potential is going to watch this show. Like, I, it, like, like I got love for you, but like, that's crazy. Like yep. you can't, like yep. you can't just like say a couple words and you're good. Like right. you, you should have wrote out like, I'm going to say the same thing yeah. I said about the Madisau thing. The same thing that, you know, I'm implying for guru here as well. Like when you cross certain lines, apologies are not enough. They're not enough. It's not acceptable enough, especially in this instance where you were trying to cancel guru for doing precisely what you've done. And like, you had to know that's in your past, right? So it's like, if anything, this was an opportunity for LaPlante to show some empathy to what Guru did, educate him on why it's so poor and, you know, kind of even call himself out a little bit and say like, look, man, I went through the same process where I didn't understand why using racial, ra racially charged words was as bad as it was, right? It's not okay to plead ignorance. Just yeah. like for Mikey, it wasn't okay to plead ignorance on doxing, right? Whether you know or not, you did it. It's yeah. a thing, right? Yeah. Whether you're ignorant or not to racial slurs, homophobic slurs, you're still utilizing them and they still come with visceral and they're charged and, you know, they have, there are outcomes to this, right? Yes. There, there are consequences. So I think like for all parties involved, it's far more than public apologies. It's far more than, you know, kind of making nice kissing babies and shaking hands. This has to be some proactivism where each and every one of them should take it upon themselves to take that next step and uh, you know do some serious soul searching, do some public reflecting, be it written, be it speaking. I don't care, right? Like this should ha this should turn into an open public forum conversation for those who have done the damage. <clears throat> Solve for YPR department. Same as fifty dollars a month. Okay, so last thing we'll close is kind of bringing it full circle, which is we're on here too. Like, like you get you you like every time I get on this mic, you're like, "What's Chin's gonna say today?" You know, like, like I don't worry about you for you. I worry about you for me. Hey, well. you're not ever gonna implicate yourself. Well, the thing is, break this. This is the, this is the thing. I'm just always wait. I'm I'm just like waiting for the shoe to drop, where you just like hit me with a question where it's like, there's no answer that I can give that's good. Well, there's the thing. Like, there's some benefits to being a minority. Like, I can say certain words that you can't. Say. Sure. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Sure. Like, sometimes I get you know me and the me me and the people like we dap up. Uh, but yeah, like okay, it's different. It, it's I feel like I, I'm always very mindful of like what I say. Obviously, on the microphone, like, I am boisterous. Like, you can say that. But I feel like I I try to not insult somebody. And if I do, I probably have, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I said this to you, like, before we got on the microphone. I'm like, I was like, if somebody went back and watched every single thing I've said on this microphone, they'd probably be like, yo, that was fucked up. But or there's, like a, there's a huge difference. There's a big line between being thin-skinned and being offensive, right? Mm -hmm. Like, look at the way the guru uh, beef started with me. Right. It's just thin skinness. Yeah. It's it's yeah. me not respecting a play that he made and somehow him taking that to heart. Right. Who gives a fuck? Who am I? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, why does he care? Right. But whenever you use an offensive term that is degrading to a group of people, yeah. that's crossing a line. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and now we start to head into like cancel culture and like, wh where does it go? Right. And this is why I think Negranu is still above board because even though his, tirades are embarrassing to him as a person as far as like controlling his emotion 
there's no harm done, right? He's not he's not crossing any lines outside of just like sheer and utter embarrassment for himself. Yes. Do you feel then like like because this this public persona versus what people actually are mm-hmm. is like a very like where does it like we don't really know. Like I right. said this before, like you said, oh we didn't know who maybe this is who daniel actually was we're getting a raw version of daniel we had 20 almost 20 years of daniel with a poker stars pr department yeah yeah. we don't have no pr department i mean i'm trying to build it for 2.99 but right now we don't have a pr department like it's just us and it's and for you specifically your twitter version of yourself is not really exactly like when people know you when people like People live at our house or whatever. Like they know that's not actually you, but someone that's looking at it from the outside is like, "Oh, Berkey's like so opinionated. Thinks he's a know-it-all. He uses all these big words that like I don't even know. Like, why does he think he knows every subject about everything? You know?" And that's been kind of the blowback. But it's like then you get on stream and it's like, "Oh, this guy's like super chill. Like, I feel like I wish he could come come hang out with me and stuff like that." And it's like, so it's like, who 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 are you? But I I think like. All right, so first, uh, I'm going to speak from Daniel's side of things. I think the reason why we revere him so much is because it's very authentic to him. Mm-hmm. So, sure, now we know Daniel DeGrano has a temper temper problem. Mm-hmm. But so what? Right? So, like, big deal he has. You think it's an opponent complex? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not here to diagnose him. But the whole point is, like, big deal. We know the guy's human. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? Right? And I've always operated by the same terms. I feel like... Uh, I'm not shy about demonstrating all facets of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. So sure, on Twitter, shrunken down to 280 characters, yeah. you get the sophisticated version of me. Right. There's a reason for that, right? I'm very mindful about the things that I actually speak on. And I only have a, an allotment of 280 characters to get my message out. Yeah. Right? So why, do I, why does it appear like I'm a know-it-all every time I tweet? Well, because I don't tweet everything I'm thinking. Yeah. I tweet 1% of it. And it's something I feel pretty confident about, right? And you want to be mindful of the of the verbiage you use of course, in that situation. Of course. I want the message to come across clear, concise, and not compromise myself in any sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. You have the time to think about it and run it over draft after draft, right? You go to stream, this is much more unfiltered. Yeah, you're going to get the raw version of me. I'm going to tell stories. I told a story about me upper decking a fucking porta potty my junior year of college because it was full to the brim and I had to shit so bad I was going to explode. <laughs> Before a game. That's if you good. guys haven't heard this story, it's it's fantastic. I think it was in like stream number six or something. But uh, yeah, like, and, and I'm not shy about that version of me, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I have nothing to hide. I'm not embarrassed about anything. Like, I almost feel like Eminem in 8 Mile. It's like, yeah, my mom was a crackhead who, you yeah, know, yeah. overdosed and lived in poverty. Yeah, I grew up with roaches and well, rats. Yeah, and yeah, who gives a fuck? Yeah, for sure. I'm here. Right. So it's like, for the most part, I'm 99% just completely authentic and forward. And if some part of me is an embarrassment to myself, to those I surround myself with, whatever the case may be, uh, I just hope that it's not to the degree of being beyond reproach. You know, what's crazy, Burke. Like I was having this conversation with Andre. I was like, because he he was asking like oh why are you on Twitter now like all of a sudden like you know because I was on Twitter but I wasn't like really like trying to like be on there and I was like honestly like like I have a very different personality than Berkey and I don't want to seem like the per- like the dumb one in the group so I was just like never even on it and he's like oh that's like like some insecurity and it's like no I just don't want people to have this perception of me that's like not smart or like 
because I'm not going to talk like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, I just don't provide, like, I'm, I'm never going to talk like you, but like, I just want to like, I still want to talk. You know what sure. I'm saying? Like, I want to say shit. Like, because yeah, I, because it's, because I see things and like, this is like what goes, like when I'm on the microphone, I realize I'm like, oh no, this is like what I think about. Like, it's just yeah. like, I'm out, like, I'm all over the place, but like, I doesn't mean I'm dumb. It just means like, this is how I am. Like, I'm Dominican. Like, like, I'm, like, like I'm Dominican. We're going to talk shit. Like, we're going to be loud. We're going to say our opinion. We're going to fucking make jokes. No, like, it's like, that's, that's really like, good, right? It's like Twitter is long form content. It's for the written word. So yeah. however your creativity comes off, that's exactly how you should express yourself. It's like, if I want to speak very technically, I will. Sometimes I want to speak a little bit more um, crass and I'll do that as well. I used to think about like, swearing on Twitter because I knew like my old coaches and and gym teachers and stuff like that would follow me and I was like oh I would never want to like embarrass them mm. but then I thought about it, it's like man I'm almost 40 yeah it's like who cares yeah right it's like you know you don't like it don't read it's 2020 it's it's not that big of a deal anymore and uh, I think like for you it's like if if you want to be funny be funny if you want to be creative be creative if you want to be a storyteller mm. and narrate like what's going on people love that stuff yeah, there's yeah. no reason to ever silence yourself yeah no but that's how I felt I was just like oh like I don't like the people really like i'm not gonna talk like intelligently like that like i just want to talk about like like i just want to talk shit you know like yeah. you know what i'm saying like uh and then like make it creative and i'm like you know i'm just gonna do it you know i'm just like i was just sitting there and i'm like i'm just gonna do it and then like people will see what happens uh but yeah i mean even now like i, I read this thing and i'm like oh maybe i don't know like it's this I, is this uh, is terrible for for ryan uh, yeah i don't is, i don't know how this ends because the the problem is is that like the retribution is very difficult to make this whole right it happened he apologized for it probably when it happened and i'm sure that he was remorseful but the problem was is none of us knew in 2013 that this yeah. was a thing yeah, yeah. and if we did like it wasn't, it's it been wasn't, forgotten yeah it now it's resurfaced amidst him accusing somebody of exactly what he's already guilty of yeah. so it's just like it's so hard because again like apologies just they're not big enough they don't cut it right like it has to be some sort of proactive measure to show that you aren't this person and that you've changed and that's the thing we should give leeway right like if we if we bring this full circle to cancel culture it's like do i think he should be canceled over this probably not probably not any more than i think daniel should be canceled for doing blackface in 2001 Mm -hmm. right it's like you know let's add a little bit of context and nuance to the to the debate we just saw like 20 celebrities during the Black Lives Matter movement of the last month or so show sheer and utter embarrassment over what was comically accepted in the early 2000s. And that was them doing blackface. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel and uh, they pulled an old SNL skit where they dressed up as Charles Barkley and Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they were embarrassed by it. Tina Fey pulled a 30 Rock episode where they did blackface. It's like, yeah, it's fucking awful, mm-hmm. obviously. But, like, I almost think Daniel's kind of handling it well. Outside of the whole, my black friend said it was okay excuse. Yeah, I think, like, I think that's that, not cool. that debate is, like, you know, going to continue to surface. It's like, well, there's a lot of things that were accepted before. It's like racism was accepted. And then also, like, you know, a lot of women would say, like, oh, you know what was also accepted? Like, getting fucking hit on and, yeah. like, and, and, like, having to, like, you know. I'm just gonna that's fight. what I mean. You have to, you yeah. have to demonstrate that you've grown yeah. from w- alongside society, right? Society as a whole has grown. We no longer accept blackface as being okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now here we are in 2020. Demonstrate to me that you understand the same growth patterns that have been displayed over the last 15 years. Facts. Facts. No, that's true. You can't just dismiss it and say like, oh, those were the times. Yeah. yeah. Because like that's what our grandparents do. That's bullshit. Yeah. No, you can't do that. 
299. $299. Actually, I don't know. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be really expensive. Acquire within. Yeah, yeah. Acquire within. It's going to be expensive. If you want us to handle this, like, it's going to be expensive, man, because, like, and I need to actually believe you, too. I'm not, like, one of those lawyers that, like, could take anybody. Like, you have to actually not do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you actually have to, like, you have to actually not do it. Sure. You know? All right. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Uh, it's season two, episode number 10. Of course, like, subscribe. I feel like our channel's like almost there, man. Like we're almost there. We're trying to do it organically. We didn't bring any outside money in. We ain't sell out. We ain't shit. Like we, we doing it for the people, man. Like you're actually, man, you know, I always say I'm for the people. Berg is for the people too. No matter what he thinks about the rape. But with that said, we're out of here. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it, man. I know what I know.